God bless you, everybody. How are we doing today? We doing all right? Give the Lord a hand clap today. Amen, amen. All right, we're just getting set up here. Praise the Lord. It is great to be in the house of the Lord today. I tell you what, thank the Lord for this, this little cloud cover that we have. I thank the Lord for a little bit of the, the, the moisture that we've received in the last week and a half. Um, I have been enjoying it. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for it because uh, it's uh, less, less on my water bill. Less on my water bill because I love to keep my grass green. How many of you love to keep your grass green? That's right. I do too. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we continue in the Word of God through the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody say Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount um, is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And we are in chapter 7 of Matthew. So please turn with me in your Bible. If you already downloaded the app, um, you'll see that we have five different Bible versions on our app. So you can just find the Bible right there in our church app. Isn't that cool? So in Matthew chapter 7... We are now going to turn our attention to Jesus' teaching as it relates to the message to the multitudes that he was speaking. There was a whole lot of people that had gathered together to receive the teachings of Jesus. Teachings from the master. Amen? Amen. How many of you like to learn? Raise your hand. I like to learn a lot. I like to learn. I also like to teach. Although teaching is not one of my top spiritual gifts according to the spiritual gifts evaluation that we took as leaders a couple of weeks ago. Giving was my number one. I was, I was off the charts. I was 30. I, I, I had a 30 on giving. I was like, well, praise God. God give me a generous heart. It'll have to make up for my low score in the mercy and compassion area. So I'll, I'll work that out with the Lord. But how many of you know, how many of you know that we are all under construction? We are all under construction. So the, the title of today's message is, Please excuse the mess. We are under construction. Please excuse the mess. We are under construction. Now, now I went to UCLA. All right. I went to UCLA where they actually teach us. No offense to you know, all y'all Trojan folks up there, including, including my brother, including my brother. So, so at UCLA, when I walked on the campus there, there was like construction going on everywhere. New dormitories going up, expansion over here, new parking lot, underground parking lot. I mean, the next year. There was more construction. I came back later visiting with my wife and kids. I met my wife, Boomy, there at UCLA. We got there, and, and 
I saw signs again that says, please excuse the mess. We're still under construction. God continues to work in us. God is continuing the work of construction, of building us up. Sometimes God has to allow us to be touched by life a little bit so that we can understand that he's still teaching us. Can I hear an amen? As I was reading through Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to read that all together right now, I almost thought to myself, can we just skip this this portion of the scripture and go on to the next one that says, ask and seek and find. You get everything that you want from God. Ask, seek, knock. Then the, the Lord reminded me, no, we cannot skip this portion of scripture. You cannot take a black Sharpie to this passage and go and start choosing other portions of scripture the ones that we all like and that we're, we prefer. Sometimes we need the good medicine to bring the good healing in our hearts. Amen. Let's go to the Bible now and read Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. If you have it now in your Bible, say, word up. If you have it in your Bible, say, word up. If you have it in your phone, you can follow along. Say, word up. If you don't have it, it's okay. Just listen intently. Jesus said in the red letters, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank or beam in your own eye. How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a telephone pole sticking out of yours? You hypocrite, Jesus said. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Okay, let us go now into a time of prayer. Let's ask God to open our, our eyes, our minds, and our hearts. As the scripture says, that we might see beautiful things in his law. Remember, when Jesus speaks, he's bringing the law of love. Everybody say the law of love. Jesus does not speak with the law of judgment. Judgment is for a later day. Judgment is for another day. And that is solely reserved for God himself. Amen? Judgment is reserved for God himself through Jesus. And the word of God is what brings judgment upon all the world except for the fact that we sometimes in the church think that it is our job to sit in the seat as judge or sit in the seat as one who condemns. And it's the same word 
And we're going to study this word. Everybody say crino. Crino or critase or critokos or crima. These are all from the same root word where Jesus is speaking to us from so as to open our minds to understand what judgment or condemnation really is. And that's why I said, please excuse the mess. We're all under construction because in verses 1 and 2, Jesus is speaking to the whole multitude. Jesus was speaking to the whole church. Jesus was speaking to the whole world. And then he starts getting personal when he starts speaking to us directly. Let's go to the word. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you, Father God, that you're going to give us understanding and you're going to bring us to another place. I ask, Father God, that you deliver us, Lord Jesus, from our mistakes. Father, that you help us to learn, that you forgive us, Father God, for our mistakes. Forgive us, Father, for our ways of being. Forgive us, Father God, for our ways of thinking. Forgive us, Father God, for our ways of seeing when they have not been in alignment with your word. We're going to the word today, and we're going to stay in the word. We're going to, Father God, treat one another through your word, and we're going to love one another through your word. We're going to judge the, the things of the world through your word in order, Father God, that you would give us peace, grace, love, joy, all of these good things which there is no law. So now, Father God, be with us, your people, and teach us your ways. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, and everybody said, come on, people, put your hands together. Mission Ebenezer Family Church. Okay, so I'm setting the mic back up because today I'm going to be speaking from right here. And then if I miss some of you, I'm just going to go like this so I can so I can make eye contact with those that are over here on this side of the, the center of our tent. Praise the Lord. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus wants to teach us the true definition of what it means to judge. Because I, I fear that we as the church have really fall victims and pray to judgment, to judging one another. And that's why I believe this message is for all of us. That's the one good thing about today is that the word of God is for all of us. Somebody say all of us. You want to know the first temptation that we're going to be having to fight against today is to be thinking about other people who also need to hear this message. Oh, man, I wish she was here to hear this message. We've already fallen victim to this trap, to this trap. But God wants to deliver us. God wants to unburden us. God wants to unhitch the trailer. God wants to remove the yoke of bondage. God wants to remove the shackles of slavery that we have come under unknowingly and that has kept us captive in our own prisons, in our own religious jails. 
because although we have not, some of us, overtly demonstrating judgment to others, we have been covertly judging others in our minds and in our hearts, even our own selves. Sometimes we're our own harshest critics. Everybody say critic. That's where we get the word kritokos. Or we, where we're going to unpack the word hypocrita. Somebody say amen. And so we're going to understand that being our own harshest critic causes us to continue to look at others with the type of critique that is not healthy for relationship, that is not healthy for our world, that is not healthy for our families, it's not healthy for our marriages, it's not healthy for a relationship between uh, parents and children, it's not healthy in relationships within the church with other brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not even healthy between us and others in the world who do not know Jesus. And people who do not know Jesus, God is going to deliver us and he is going to teach us not to look at those who do not know Jesus in a, a critical way that, that prevents koinonia or fellowship or relationship from happening with those who don't know Jesus. God is going to give us a different way of understanding and a different way of being, a different way of being able just to sit with somebody. Because we didn't know that the criticism that we were living under or that we were judging others with was not overt, but it was a kind of mentality or the way we see things. Somebody say, the way we see things. And the way we see things, sometimes it doesn't push people away. Watch this. Our covert, our hidden judgment of others doesn't push people away it prevents them from getting to you it prevents them from being able to come to you because we have isolated ourselves with our minds and with the way we perceive and with the way we have come to know and with the way we have come to live can somebody say amen so it's not just pushing people away. It's pulling ourselves away from people. And so today I believe God is asking us to put ourselves on the altar of mercy and grace, asking Jesus for forgiveness for the way that we have been. Offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Somebody say living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, as we learn to die to ourselves in our flesh, our experiences, our situations, our hurts, our pains, our own mistakes, and the pains and hurts and mistakes of others so that we can truly live the kingdom of God. So that we can really live and walk in the steps of Jesus. So it says, do not judge. When Jesus says here, do not judge, 
He's speaking to the second person plural, which is you all. Or in the South, they say y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, you all. Do not judge, Jesus says. Do not judge. The definition of judge is from the Greek word krino. Everybody say krino. It's essentially K-R-I-N-O, krino, which means to judge, to decide, to consider, to pass judgment, or to condemn. What's the difference between judging and condemning? Well, there is a good way of judging. There's a good way of deciphering between right and wrong. Amen? So it's good to know how to judge. But when we allow that judgment to turn into condemnation, that means that we are putting ourselves in the place of God, in the place of Jesus. And so it's hard to differentiate one from the other. And so that's why Jesus' emphasis or onus in this passage is for us to first allow God to do heart surgery on us first and not on anybody else. You see, sometimes as Christians, we think it's our job to save everybody. We think it's our job to teach everybody right from wrong. And I say we, I mean I. I think it's my job to show everybody or to show people their errors or their mistakes. Or if somebody says, hey, Josh, what do you think? Then I go, oh, you gave me permission. Okay, this is what I think. But what the Lord is showing me more and more and more is it's not about what I think. It's not even what I think I know. It's about what the word of God says. Pastor Josh, what do you think? I don't think, but let's look at the word of God together. And that is going to help us get over our first hump. Our first hurdle is understanding how to go to the word of God so that we can leverage the word of God in ways that can create trust and conversation and understanding and love between us and everybody else. Going to the word of God. The word of God. It's always the best neutral party to have conversations or disagreements. Can I hear an amen? The word of God sometimes is best to br- than, than to bring in a third person to help referee an argument, a disagreement, or a conversation of interest. Praise the Lord. Jesus says, hey, everybody, don't judge, or you all will be judged. Verse 2, for in the same way you judge others. Now, this is the Greek word. It's different from krino, but it's very similar. It's krima, K-R-I-M-A, krima. And krima means judgment, condemnation, sentence, or punishment. So this does carry with it a more disciplinary action, but it's actually a noun. Krima is a noun, not a verb like krino. So the word krima, it says that for in the same way that we judge others, we will also be judged. 
And with the measure, everybody say metron, metron. Say metron. M-E-T-R-O-N, metron, where we get the word metric from. For by the same in which we measure, we shall also be measured. According to the measure, the height or the depth or the amount by which we judge others, Jesus said, we will be judged accordingly, equally. Now, this is tough. Let me ask you a question, a fun question, an intriguing question. Would you rather be judged by one another or would you rather be judged by God? Would you rather be judged by Jesus or would you rather be judged by yourself? In a conversation that I was having with Pastor Isaac just the other day, we were talking about justice, where we get this word judge or judgment or righteousness, ultimately truth. And understanding what justice is, we find out that even when somebody calls for justice, what it really is saying is that I want you to come under the law of justice in order that you may be brought low. Well, justice was served. Well, guess what? The law will always be unforgiving, right, Pastor T? Pastor T the other day he said, well, you know, Pastor, the law of the world will, will not be forgiving because it judges according to the law every T, every I. But guess what? According to the law of God, God is the one who is patient with his people Israel. Jesus is the one who is patient and loving and merciful. It's Jesus who has been, is bringing a different kind of law. Jesus is bringing out a different kind of justice. Wasn't Jesus the one who said, if anyone sins against you, forgive them 70 times 7? 490 times? Jesus was the one who says, if somebody sins against you, forgive them as many times as they sin against you. That's the most liberating. That is the most peace, peaceful thing. That is the most powerful thing that one could ever learn is how to forgive somebody else. Of learning the words of Jesus. And let us not let ourselves off the hook too quickly by saying, well, that's Jesus, that's not me. Well, praise God, then you are rejecting Jesus. You are rejecting the kingdom of God. You are rejecting his ways. And therefore, guess what? We bring ourselves back under that judgment that none of us really want to be under. So what God is showing us is that he is allowing us to go back in time and see all the moments that we have judged according to principle, that we have judged according to someone's action, that we have judged ourselves very harshly, very critically. We have judged ourselves and, and others, guess what? To the point that we are being weighed down by all of that judgment. But the Lord wants to deliver us and the Lord wants to set us free. 
And the Lord wants to walk, wants to teach us how to walk with him. The Lord wants to, wants to teach us how to walk in love. Oh man, my list is getting longer and longer of people that I need to go and talk with. I feel like I'm a part of the 12 step program. Because I got a lot of people that I need to go and, 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 and set some things right with. There's a lot of people that I have to go and ask for forgiveness. There's a lot of people that I have hurt or that I have judged in my thoughts, in my actions, in my words, in the way that I've lived. I've judged them co overtly and I've judged them covertly by putting myself all the way over here in a corner and making myself an untouchable. And I believe the Lord wants to help us br bring our hearts to him today. And Jesus wants to set us free, all of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is doing something here, church. God is doing something here, church. God is showing us his word. Look what he says. Verse 3. Why do you look? Somebody say, look. Last week I was talking about the kingdom of God. And asking God to give us a, the kingdom, kingdom vision, a kingdom perspective. How many of you remember the message from last week? All of these messages are building on the others. So last week we were talking about the optics of something, the way things seem, the way we look at things, because we're all products of our upbringing. We're all part products of situations. We're all products of whatever the, the case or the products of our families, products of brokenness, products of success, products of, 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 of church genius. We're all products of something, and whatever product we have become, it has given us the lens or the perspective on how to see things. But the Lord is teaching us a new kingdom-minded perspective, and he's opening up our eyes, our spiritual eye, the eye that Jesus gives us. Not some other kind of eye, not some other kind of vision, but he's actually showing us the way of Jesus by allowing us to understand his word. So the Greek word here, when he says, look at the speck, he's, he says, he's talking about blepo, the Greek word blepo. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, the big long pole in your own eye? Now go to chapter 6, verse 22 again. We're going to continue to tie the scriptures together so that the scriptures continue to make sense and can continue to build and build and build and build a case for salvation for us. Salvation. Somebody say salvation. God is bringing us salvation. The Bible says for today is the day of salvation. In other words, the Lord is delivering us each day as we grow more and more in his word. As he gives us greater and greater understanding by opening up the scriptures and by understanding the very word of God, God is then therefore giving us even greater salvation every day being born again, day after day after day. Look what it says in chapter 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light with you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is saying the darkness that we are, have experienced or we may be experiencing now or that he does not want us to experience tomorrow or any longer 
may be from the eye that has a massive, massive wooden pole sticking in it because of the way we judge others. Because of the way we see others. Somebody say see. So you see, church, God is wanting to clear our vision. God is wanting to open up our eyesight. God wants us to be able to see the way that he sees so we can understand what the kingdom of God really is. What it means and how we apply it to our lives. Oh, man, I feel like a new man again. Last week I said I feel like a new man because of what God is teaching me. Because it starts here. doesn't start with you between a relationship with you and I. It starts with me. The relationship with you and the other doesn't start with the other. Who does it start with? Who does it start with? Who does it start with? Starts with you. Starts with me. It starts with us. He says, why do you look at the speck, the little tiny thing in your brother's eye? When you should be paying attention, when you should be focusing, when you should be removing that which has obstructed your own vision, which has obstructed or which has perverted, which has ruined the way that we see things. How can you say to your brother, let, come here, let me, let, me, let me help you. Come here, let me remove this. Come here, let me take that. Come here, let me, let me take that little splinter out of your eye. When we have this massive, massive darkening cedar, sequoia tree sticking out of our own eye. really causing our, our hearts and our lives to experience darkness. Oh, so what Jesus is saying is that although we are Christians, we have also been living in darkness? Yes. Yes. Although we're Christians, although we're saved, although we're, we love Jesus, although we serve Jesus, guess what he's saying? That we have been walking and living in partial darkness, some of us. And what that means is that God wants to deliver us from all of that. God wants to heal us. Somebody say, heal us. So look at it says, verse 5. You hypocrite. Hypocrita. You know, when, when little kids learn the word hypocrite when they're like three or four. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of you heard little kids like, you're such a hypocrite? Right? Like, where did they learn that big word? That's like a, a, a polysyllabic SAT word. Right? It's like, where did you learn that word? You're such a hypocrite. And, and, and the, way, the way that we understand this word hypocrite, it, right, doesn't it mean that it's like you're a pretender or you're a faker, right? 
you're a poser, right? A hypocrite is somebody that says one thing, but what? Does another. But the true meaning of the word hypocrite, it's this conjunction word, hupo. Everybody say hupo. And then the word, everybody say krites. Everybody say krites. So hupo krites. Okay, so hupo means by, by means of. The word hupo means, let me, let me look to my, to my notes. This word hupo also be, means this, which, W-H-I-C-H, which. So hupo means by, by means of, which, or one who. Somebody say one who. And so if we take the word Hupo and then critase, right? What it means is one who what? Judges. One who passes judgment. One who condemns. One who critiques. Right? Coming from the, the, the root word, criticos. Everybody say criticos. Criticos is where we get the word critical from. So a hypocrite is one who is critical of others and not themselves. I heard somebody put it this way. We oftentimes judge others according to their actions, and we judge ourselves according to our intentions. In other words, we judge others by what they do, but then when we do the same thing that others have done or are doing, guess what? We say and justify in our own minds, oh, but I really didn't mean to do all that. And so we let ourselves off the hook. Which is the actual meaning of what it means to be a hypocritas, a hypocrite, one who passes judgment. It doesn't just mean we're a pretender. It just means that we're talking and walking a completely different life. What it means is us as Christians is this. Is this, well, guess what? We are saying one thing about our faith. We say yes, we say amen. We worship, we put our hands up here at the altar, we sing praises. But the person that we have offended, the person that we have hurt, the person that we are judging, maybe even sometimes in our own families, our own church, our own circles of life, guess what? They're over there looking at us, they're judging us, but we're over here praising God, and God's not even hearing or, or receiving our praises or our worship. Because we're still walking in darkness according to the word of God. So I be, but I believe God wants to bring us in the light. I believe God wants to bring us in the light. Come on, say amen. Hey, there's good news to all this. Come on, people of God, put your hands together right now. There is good news to all of this. There is good news to all of this. There's good news to all of this because we're all works in progress. We are all under construction. Please excuse the mess, God. Mission Ebenezer, please excuse my mess. I am under construction. I have sinned. I have wronged you. I have wronged God. I have wronged one another. And I am asking God to forgive me. Church, I am asking for your forgiveness. Turn to your neighbor, and if you mean it, ask them for your forgiveness right now. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and ask them to forgive you right now. Father God, teach us what we have done, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, teach us, Lord God, to see things differently. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Too many times I've had conversations with somebody, and when they've pointed out my mistakes, guess what? I say, yeah, but you. Yeah, but what about you? Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but how, how about that? And guess what? I wasn't listening to what God was trying to show me. I can't speak for the other person. I can only speak for this guy. I don't need to respond. Oh, but it's a two-way street. Yes, it is, but God's dealing with you, not them. God wants to give you the power. God wants to give you the strength. God wants to deliver you. God wants to heal you. Can I hear an amen? God wants to save you. Can I hear an amen? And God wants to save others and heal others and restore others through you, through the Christ in you. Hallelujah. Through the Christ in me. Hallelujah. Through the kingdom in me. Hallelujah. Through the kingdom in you. Hallelujah. Through the kingdom in us. Through the kingdom in y'all. Jesus says, y'all. I want to use y'all to save the world. He, Jesus said, for I did not come to judge or condemn the world. I did not come. Jesus said, to crino the world, but to save the world. Wow. Wow. Life-changing? Life-changing church? Life-changing. Life-giving. How many life-giving, life-changing conversations have you had in the last seven days? I want you to think about that for a moment. How many life-giving, life-changing conversations that had to do with what God is doing in your heart, in my heart, in our hearts, have you had? Right? Oh, this is exciting. My list is getting longer and longer. Hallelujah. Our list should be getting longer and longer. Father, who do I need to talk to, Lord? Who do I need to ask for forgiveness for, Lord? Lord, who have I judged, Father God? Who have I judged, Father God, covertly and overtly? Who have I intentionally and unintentionally judged? Father God, who have I condemned, knowingly or unknowingly? Who have I sinned against? Who have I committed sin against? And who have I omitted? A sin of omission. Can I hear an amen? Church. I'm going to open up the altar to anybody that wants to come forward and ask the Lord to work in their hearts. The, the, and, if, and if the altar is right there in your seat, if the altar is right there on your knees, if the altar is right there sitting down where you're sitting, if the altar is right there if you want to stand up, if the altar is you walking around the tent, if the altar is just allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and begin to show you some things and to show me some things so that I can see, so that we can see what he wants to do. Hallelujah. So I was thinking about the message today, people of God. And God wants to teach us how to sit down with people. God wants to teach us how to sit down with one another. And, and not have shallow relationships anymore. Shallow relationships. Because shallow relationships can never achieve much. Shallow relationships can very rarely ever get to the heart or the root of whatever the issue or the problem is or whatever. 
you two have in common, you and someone else have in common. So when Jesus says we need to stop judging one another, what he is saying is we need to sit and we need to break bread with one another. We need to sit and have fellowship with one another. And the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered, there I am, Jesus said. So when we learn to start sitting down with one another and talking with one another and breaking bread with one another, then guess what? Jesus is there. Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is there in his love, in the brokenness, in the humility. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.